0: Here it is,
1: 7.45 on a Saturday morning. Time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. How are you today, Denny? I'm doing quite well, as great. a matter of fact. I was thinking about you the other night. We had some barbecue at our house. I said, you know what? What Jack would tell me, get out that bottle of Malbec. <laughs> and I did. I would indeed. And it that worked. Would. It yeah, worked just worked fine. Great. I, speaking of Malbec, I had a bottle of Bordeaux last night. I don't have a drink a lot of Bordeaux. And it reminded me how wonderful that wine is. And I thought we might even talk a little bit about Bordeaux. Bordeaux seems to have fallen out of favor a little bit in the last uh, couple of decades. Although, you know, the area of Bordeaux is the largest wine-producing area in France and one of the largest wine-producing areas in the entire world. It has over 300,000 acres of vineyard in the Bordeaux region and they produce about 60 million cases a year. That's, you know, 720 million bottles of uh, Bordeaux are produced annually from about 8,000 producers. So we're talking about a big, big area of wine, and a very important one. And, you know, the Bordelais have, a, of course, a noble history. It goes back to ancient Roman time. Roman uh, writers ex- lauded the wines of Bordeaux uh, in the first and second century. And it became one of France's first exports. Uh, That came about when uh, the Plangenet kings of France married the Aquitaine women of France. And part of Eleanor of Aquitaine's dowry was all of Bordeaux and that whole uh, area. And it became almost an English province. And uh, the English market uh, was just waiting for a, a good bottle of wine, because they didn't end in, in the 14th, 15th century. As you can imagine, it was pretty tough. And in England, Bordeaux was referred to as claret. And the reason they did is wines at that time were kind of murky. The wines from Bordeaux were clear, and they would say, look how claret is. And the claret became synonymous with the word Bordeaux for the English market. But that English market gave them impetus to ship their wines around the world, and, and indeed they did. Our founding fathers, uh, Jefferson, Franklin, George Washington, all drank claret very often and, and brought it home. When Jefferson was ambassador to France, he brought back all sorts of Bordeaux, some of them by name, like Aubriant and Lafitte, uh, which are the first growth of uh, Bordeaux. And that's another thing. People get a little put off, I think, because they think Bordeaux is very expensive. Well, when you make 700-plus million bottles, it isn't all very expensive. Believe me, there's a lot of very good values. Unfortunately, the first gross, and by first gross I better explain that a little bit. In 1855, uh, the French emperor uh, decided he was going to have a classification and, and for an exhibition. That was the exhibition that built the Eiffel Tower in France. And they also decided they'd classify Bordeaux, And they classified Bordeaux almost by price, the top five categories. So there's five gross. The first category in 1855 has been changed only once. The first category, there were four wines in the first category. Chateau Lafitte, Chateau La Tour, Chateau Margot, and Chateau Brion, And, of course, Chateau Mouton, which is also owned by the same uh, family that owned Lafitte, the Rothschilds, were quite put out that their wine was named a second growth. So if you go to Mouton today in France, over the doorway, it says, uh, first we cannot be, second we are not, Mouton we are. And then Baron Philippe Rothschild was a buddy of mine many, many years ago. In 1973, got them to change the classification and add Mouton to that prestigious list of four top gross. So now there's five top gross. Mouton has been added. And, uh, you know, it's not unreasonable that they listen to Philippe Rothschild. He's the one that started uh, Chateau Bottling, after all. And uh, he was a... a a real mover and shaker in the wine thing and a real pioneer introduced inexpensive wines like Mouton Cadet and things like that and second uh, second labels are the first gross wines to make them more uh, appreciable by people that couldn't afford those lofty prices. Today no, no mere mortals can afford those prices. They're all hundreds and hundreds of dollars a bottle, even I dare say thousands. But the uh, Bordelais invented blending wines. All Bordeaux's are blended. And Bordeaux not only produces these red wines I'm talking about, they produce fabulous white wine, dry white wine, sweet white wine. They also produce rosé. And there's even a little bit of Cremant sparkling wine made in Bordeaux. But they're all blended. The red wines are a blend of Cabernet Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot and Malbec are the blending grapes. For the white ones, it's Oogely Blanc, Sémillon, and Sauvignon Blanc. And then the white wines, Sauvignon Blanc is the second wine. Sémillon is the principal. And usually, if you want to just make a generality, it's probably 70% Sauvignon Blanc, maybe 15%, 20%, I'm sorry, 70% Sémillon, 15 or 20% Sauvignon Blanc, and then a little Oogly Blanc or something like that thrown in. On the red wines, it's primarily Cabernet Merlo, Cabernet Seventy, Merlot Fifteen, and Cabernet Franc about fifteen. But each property varies that. It's very hard to find hundred percent anything, but the the percentages of these things go up and down depending on the property. And there's no fast rule for doing that. As a matter of fact, there's the right and the left bank in Bordeaux. And uh, if you get wines uh, from the right bank, which is Saint-Emil and Pomerol, et cetera, the principal grape type there is Merlot. It's the same blend, 70% Merlot, 15%, 20% uh, Cabernet, and 5 uh, or 10% uh, Cabernet Franc. So, again, Cabernet is the principal one on the right bank, or on the left bank. Right bank is uh, Pomerol and saint are the uh, Merlots are the wine. And all of these, of course, that area of San Amillon and Pomerol, which make fabulous wine. San has its own classification, and they have four growths too. They've changed theirs, though, unlike the 1855 classification, which has only changed that one time in 1973. And there have been people, going back to Alexis Lachine 50 years ago, calling for them to redo that, and uh, maybe someday they will, but I doubt if it'll be in our lifetime. But then in San Amillon, they decided to reclassify, and that was much more recent in the late 50s, and La Angeles, Chateau Pavi, Cheval Blanc, Ozone were elevated to first growth uh, San Mion. And, you know, California got in on this blending act, In about 1988, they created the Meritage Society. There was a big contest of what they were going to call this blending group, and they had a contest for wine people all over the world in '88. and Meritage won. And today you can get Meritage blending from a lot of different vineyards in California, and it's based on the idea of Bordeaux, where they did the French blending of uh, wines in the... Percentages I just described, and as I said, those percentages are not set in stone. Everybody has their own thing, and they even vary from year to year, so that they get the winemaker gets the results he wants to get. And you know, it's not a very uh, complicated issue when we're talking about Bordeaux. The more specific information on the label, usually the better the wine. In fact, I liken it to a bullseye target. For example, if we made wine here. In Minnesota, you have Minnesota wine, then you have wine that's made in, say, Hennepin County, and then you have wine that's made in Wyzetta, and then you have wine that's made at Chateau something. So we'll say it's Chateau Long in Wayzata, in Hennepin County, and in Minnesota. So if you're looking at Appalachian, you could buy Minnesota wine, you could buy Hennepin County wine, you could buy Wayzata wine or you could buy Chateau Long wine from Wayzata. And the more specific that gets, in other words, the Chateau is the center of the bullseye, usually the better the wine is when it's more site-specific like that. At any rate, that describes, I hope, a little bit about Bordeaux. Uh, it really is a delightful area of wine for uh, many, many reasons. I think I told the story a couple of Uh, months ago in the summer about being at Chateau Clark for a very fancy black tie soiree and they served a wonderful rosé this must have been 15 years ago and I asked Nadine Baroness Nadine Rothschild I said do you you make this oh yes we make it here on the property for private parties I said could I buy some well we ordinarily don't sell it she sold me some and now they're selling Chateau Clark rosé all over the world but you know that was 20 years ago or so, rose wines weren't as popular as they are today. And they make a lot of wonderful rose all throughout Bordeaux, not to be overlooked. And the white wines of Bordeaux, in my opinion, are really overlooked. But if some of them, if you can get a nice white grob, those wines sort of cry for lobster. Uh, the white wines are principally semillon, but enough Sauvignon Blanc in there to give them some spine and Oogly Blanc, it gives them a little depth. So the white wines of Bordeaux are really wonderful, and what bargains they are! It's very hard to pe- spend over fifty dollars on a bottle of white Bordeaux. Oh, it can be done. You can spend five hundred. but uh, on just dry white Bordeaux, the wines you can get for fifteen, twenty dollars are absolutely incredible. I dare say you can't buy a Burgundy of that quality or a Chardonnay of that quality for that kind of money. So white Bordeaux shouldn't be overlooked. And, of course, the greatest of some of the the most complex wine I think that I've ever tasted in my life is Chateau Yquem, which is a sauternes from the Bordeaux region. And I'll tell you, you know uh, takes a whole cluster of grapes to make one glass of sauterne, and boy, those results, it's expensive, but it's worth it. It's some of the most complex, interesting wine in the world. But you don't have to break the bank. There's a lot of little sauternes out there that only cost $15, $20 a bottle that'll give you a nice complexity, not to the degree that Chateau Yakem will, but it's certainly enough to whet your appetite to have some of these wines. So if you're looking for an interesting wine to have and you haven't had it in a long time, look no further than Bordeaux. Believe me, there's something there for every single palate, whether you like big, bold red wine, light, fruity red wines, or you want a bone-dry white or a sweet white, look no further than Bordeaux. There's a reason that it was so popular with our founding fathers and it's just gone out of favor a little bit right now. Believe me, the popularity of Bordeaux is going to come back and come back strong. Oh, I agree. Totally. I'm glad you brought that up, Jack. And uh, check out Haskell's. You can find all sorts of reds or whites or whatever you need at any Haskell's location. Yeah. Haskell's loves to talk about wine and what they love and they do best. That's the reason they're called the wine people is they can pair wines with food better than anybody around. And believe me, you just tell them what you're going to have, how you're going to fix it, and what your budget is, and they'll put you in touch with a wine that will please uh, your pocketbook and your pallet. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars online. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. Haskell's in Faribault, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Cellar is not to be missed. It's absolutely huge. Minneapolis has free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Minnetonka's Ridgedale is a store not to be missed also. Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, Go to Haskells.com, where it will direct you right to our 12-page catalog for fall wine sale, which is still going on. And don't forget, on Saturdays, they taste wines from all over the world at Haskells. Excellent, Jack. Let's talk again next week. I'm going to look forward to it, Debbie. Thanks very much. Jack Farrell from Haskells.